0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: As I look at this year, right, all the complaining that they've done, they complain against the Lord, complain against Moses, all the complaints are against God ultimately. And so too are our complaints. So I'll ask everybody here: hear this. What are your complaints right now? Don't say them out loud. What are your complaints? What are you complaining about? You complain about your status in life. You complain about what you don't have. Some people complain about what they don't have. I don't have a husband or a wife. I don't have enough kids. I don't have enough money.
0: Pastor Bill says, when we complain, we are complaining against God. We are essentially saying, God, you haven't given me what I want or what I need. What you've given me isn't good enough. Does that thought make you stop in your tracks like it makes me? When we want to complain, we need to look instead at all that God has already done for us. If we started making that list, it would never end. There isn't enough room in a notebook or a dictionary to write out everything he has done for you and me. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 16 for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: The earth covered over them and they perished from among the assembly. Then all Israel who were around them fled at their cry, for they said, Lest the earth swallow us up also. So everybody that saw this started running, saying, Let's get away for the earth eat us up too. Verse 35 And a fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. So, The people that had gathered against Moses, the Lord did what he said. He opened up the earth, swallowed that group. And then the the 250 that came out against Moses, all those leaders were consumed in fire from the Lord. Now, some people read a story like this and they say, man, that God of the Old Testament was mean. When you read this, anybody think that? Anybody think, how come God did that? Isn't that a little harsh? Is the God of the New Testament a little nicer than the Old Testament God? I read this and we're not even done yet. There's more coming. But I read this and I think, man, that's, wow. You know, anybody here ever messed up? Anybody here ever revolted against a leader? I have. I've revolted against spiritual leadership. I've done things in church circles that I ought not to have done. I I read this and I think, well, man, you know, is God the same yesterday, day, and forever? How do I reconcile this? And it's so great how it reconciles, right? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God of the Old Testament is not mean. And the God of the New Testament is nice. He's the same God. He's been holy the whole time. Sin cannot just exist in its presence. It must be dealt with. In the Old Testament, right, their sin was upon them. And they paid in full for their sins. Swallowing, and up the earth whole. What a horrific way to go. That you're just standing there and the earth just opens up. And it's you and your wife and your kids and all your stuff. And you're just sinking. And then fire. Those are horrific ways to go. Right. In the New Testament, this is a beautiful thing, you guys, because God's wrath is still vicious, but all the wrath of God is poured out on Jesus for us. So when I needed to go, when I should have fallen into the pit, when I should have been consumed in fire, when I should have had all those different things because of what Christ has done for me and what Christ has done for you. For New Testament saints, the wrath of God, full strength, was poured out on Jesus on the cross. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And it's not that God doesn't judge the New Testament. It's that all his judgment went upon his son, that we could go free. That's why we need to appreciate the cross. That's why we need to love the Lord. That's why we preach the cross, and we preach what Jesus did on the cross. That's why we don't endure this fate, though we fail. We, we read these stories and we can look at these people and their failings and their shortcomings, but we're just like them in so many ways. And if it weren't for Jesus, if it weren't for the blood of Christ, if it weren't for his sacrifice, for those that die outside of Christ, they're going to experience the wrath of God full full force in a place called hell. No joke. We've escaped that. Those of us that have put our faith in Christ have escaped that fate. It was placed upon Jesus for us. And we should eternally be grateful and thankful for that. Amen. Verse 36, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Tell Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, to pick up the censers out of the blaze, for they are holy, and scatter the fire some distance away. All those priests that died, 250 of them, they had censers. And so he says, Go get those censers, in verse 38, the sinners of these men who sinned against their own souls, let them be made into hammered plates as a covering for the altar because they presented them before the Lord. Therefore, they are holy and they shall be assigned to the children of Israel. So Eleazar the priest, took the bronze censers which those who burned up had presented, and they were hammered out as a covering on the altar to be a memorial to the children of Israel that no outsider Who is not a descendant of Aaron should come near to offer incense before the Lord and that he might not become like Korah and his companions, just as the Lord had said to him through Moses. So this is an interesting thing God does here. He says, now all those guys that just got burned up in the fire, go take their censers, their bronze, and I want you to hammer them out into a covering. And I want you to put that as a covering. It's going to be a memorial for them, but it's also going to be a reminder to us not to rebel. It's going to be a reminder to the foreigner that they shouldn't, they shouldn't come in offering incense when they're not been called to do so. That God says, I called certain men to do that job. Anybody can't just pick up a center and do it. Let them be an example of that. And he said, I want to put that there. Bronze in scripture is always symbolic of judgment. And so that would be there as a symbol to remind them for time to come. Again, I don't think God's being mean. But God is showing forth that there's some things that he won't put up with. There's some things that don't fly. There's some things that are not okay. And even though now I'm a New Testament Christian, I'm a New Testament saint and I might not, you know, meet this fate for these things. Whenever we're studying the Bible, it's the study of God. We're studying God. I still know that God feels strongly about that. I want to have the right heart towards leadership, towards the body of believers, toward my enemies. I want to glean from all these things that I want to pray for my enemies like they did, right? The Bible says, "Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Moses didn't need to seek out revenge on the people. God took care of that. So for you that are trying to get revenge on people, trying to pay people back, you should just step aside and let the Lord handle it. Pray for them. Pray for your own heart that you don't become bitter. I don't believe that we pray, you know, I don't believe that we step aside like God get them. I believe that we step aside and just say, God, you know, it's, it's not for me to, get my own vengeance. Anybody here that's ever got revenge for yourself? It's not even always sweet. Sometimes you get revenge and then you feel bad about what you did after, you know, as you got your revenge. Some people get revenge and it didn't even satisfy them. It wasn't even bad enough. Now you've done something you shouldn't have done. We don't want to be in the revenge game. We'll leave that up to the Lord. And we want to be in the game of, or not the game, but we want to be in a place where we're praying for people. We're reaching out. We're going to be God's hand and God's feet and have God's heart to people around us. And so I think Moses in this chapter is a great example to us of that. Moving on now, it says, verse 41, on the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel complained. So they haven't learned yet. Right. The very next day, the very next day. Right. The, I mean, these are significant things. that I mean, The earth opening up, swallowing groups of people, whole families, they all gone. All their stuff is gone. You can't even go get their tent. It's gone in the earth. This group over here with their incense burned up and the, the altar thing had been hammered out and put up there. I'm thinking that there should be humbleness, brokenness, sorrow, weeping, mourning. But no, verse 41. On the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, saying, you have killed the people of the Lord. They come complaining again. One day when I was doing high school ministry, we took kids out to it was a boys camp. We usually do camp with the boys and the girls, but the guys wanted to do guy stuff. So one of the guys at the church, he hikes and he goes all these places. He knows all the places to go. So he said, hey, we can go to this one island. We can we can camp out. We can be in tents. We can take you know, inflatable rafts, and so we can go rafting with the, with all the guys. I'm like, I oh, sound fun, so we do this trip. Now, this guy is a gazelle. He's skinny, and he loves the hike. I mean, he goes on hike. That's his fun is a you know, 15 mile hike. It's like, whoa, that was so great. So, you know, we get up there, and I'm thinking a hike, you know, a couple miles, three miles, maybe. We get out there, and we got all these high school boys, and bad enough that the hike was the ended up that the hike was going to be like about seven miles each way. But he told us he misled. He said it's about just maybe two miles. So everybody thought two miles. Nothing we do that. So we start going, and I got all these high school kids and everybody. I got some athletes. I got some video game kids. I got some runners, and I got some chubsters. And we, we're going, and I, at least three miles in. Kids like how much longer? Because we've gone so far, you can just see. You can't see where we're going. You can barely see where we came from, and the complaints start happening. And now I joined the kids at about mile three. I'm like, man, where is this? tire, man. Goodness, where's lunch? You know, we're thirsty. And this is what he kept saying. And I, I wanted to smack him. He kept saying, you know, God killed a whole bunch of Israelites for complaining. You know, you know, that, that's, that's what he kept saying. You know, a whole bunch of Israelites died being out there complaining. So so about mile four, he came up with this great idea. Then he got spiritual on us and said, it's going to be a silent hike from here on out. I want you to just meditate and pray. I can't pray right now. I'm mad, you know, and I'm tired, and I'm hungry, and I'm thirsty, you know. And so I had to do it with the kids and just, just zip the lip and walk and try to be an example. It was, it was terrible. <laughs> Seven miles, we finally get there and eat and drink, and they play in the water, and I'm like, is there a vehicle coming to take us? We got to do that all the way back, and we did. It was like fat camp, you know. As I look at this here, right, all the complaining that they've done, they complain against the Lord, complain against Moses. All the complaints are against God ultimately. And so, too, are our complaints. So I'll ask everybody here: hear this. What are your complaints right now? Don't say them out loud. What are your complaints? What are you complaining about? You complain about your status in life? You complain about what you don't have? Some people complain about what they don't have. I don't have a husband or a wife. I don't have enough kids. I don't have enough money. I don't have people complaining about that. Then on the other side, people get them. Then you complain about them. Complain about the kids that you got. Complain about the husband and the wife that you got. Complain about the job that you got to make the money that you got that you don't got enough of because you complain about it. And then there are times where I look at people and the things that they have right now that they're complaining about used to be something they were praying that God would do for them. There are people right now that have jobs that they're complaining about. There's a day where you were praying that God would give you that job. You were like, God, please open the door. Please give me favor. And you went to an interview and you were like praising God that you got the job. Now you're complaining about the same job that you asked God. Begged him for. Now you got it. You're complaining about it. Some of y'all complaining about the spouse that you begged God for. You got him. Ding, 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 ding. Now you're complaining about him. Right? Just know that that sort of complaining is against the Lord. Saying, God, what you did for me is not good enough. God, I I reject what you're doing in my life. I don't accept what you're doing. I complain against you. So we don't want to get comfortable complaining. Complaining is a sin. It's a common sin, but it's a sin. Just think about that next time you have a complaint in your heart. That it's a sin when you're complaining against what God is allowing, what God is doing. Very next day, they show up and they complain. And notice that their complaint is... They're blaming again. It says on the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And this is what they said to Moses and Aaron. You have killed all the people. You killed the people of the Lord. Did Moses and Aaron kill the people of the Lord? No. They did it to themselves. It's not their fault. But they're being accused again. Now, once again, anybody here that's ever been blamed for something that you did do, we don't even like that. Right? If I do something wrong, And then you come and say, Bill, I saw you do that wrong thing. I don't even appreciate that, even when it's true. Now, I feel even worse when you accuse me of something that I didn't do. I didn't do that. If I'm upset when you accuse me of what I did do, only more upset when you making up some stuff. I didn't even do that. So I just want you to notice that Moses and Aaron, here they are. The people have been against them this whole time. God is doing everything he could do to set things straight. And the people show up and complain again. And now they're blaming them for the death of all. Imagine the pressure that that would feel like. All these people mourning the death of their rebellious friends. And they're blaming it on you. It's your fault. There, are All these people die because of you guys. Look what you did. I just feel bad for Moses and Aaron here. Like, man. I- I would, I could understand them saying, God, I don't want to be a leader no more. Can I just be part of the congregation? I'll go complain too. (laughs) I don't want to be in front no more. You know, that's the pressure that they're dealing with, but that's what God had called them to be. So verse 42, now, now it happened when the congregation had gathered against Moses and Aaron that they turned toward the tabernacle of meeting and suddenly the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. Then Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of meeting and the lord spoke to moses saying get away from among this congregation that i may consume them in a moment and it's the third time they do it and they fell on their faces so here they're standing there the people are complaining blaming them for the depths of all the people here's another opportunity for moses to flesh out for moses to say you know what god just get them they they ain't learned yet turn up the fire do more but I want you to just note again that they fall on their faces. Anybody here that's serving in ministry, please hear me. And anybody here that's in a position of influence or leadership in your home, in your job, or in the church, or in other people's lives, please hear this. This is the example of just godly leadership. That they are interceding for those that are coming against them. They love those that hate them. They're genuinely, they could have said, you know what, so what? But they fall on their faces before the Lord. They fell on their faces and it's not their heart to see harm come even to those that are doing harm to them. It wasn't their heart. It wasn't their heart's desire. It wasn't going to please them to see these guys get it. And so they don't rejoice. They fall on their faces. The last little chunk here says, so Moses said to Aaron, take a center and put fire in it from the altar. Put incense on it. And take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. For the wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. So as the glory of God showed up, probably in a cloud among them, a plague broke out. And the plague, there are people just starting to die. We don't know exactly what the plague was or how they were dying, but there were people dying. Moses said, hurry up. We got to make atonement for the people quick. God is dealing with their sin right now. They could have stood back and just said, let them die. For what? Let them wipe out. But they didn't. They're moving quickly to intercede for the people and to make atonement for them. Verse 47, then Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran. So they're moving rapidly. He ran into the midst of the assembly and already the plague had begun among the people. So he put in the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living. So the plague was stopped. Now, those who died in the plague were 14,700 beside those who had already died in the core incident. So Aaron returned to Moses at the door of the tabernacle of the meeting for the plague had stopped. I want you to just get this picture. Moses is on his face. He gets up and says, Aaron, go. Grab the incense, put the fire in and put the incense on. It, run down there. The plague has gone out. People are dying. Get out there. Aaron runs and does what God tells him to do. And he stands in between those that have died and those that are living. And he stands there with this thing out. He makes atonement for the people. And God hears him. God says, okay, I'll stop. Plague stops there. Now, again, what does this teach us? It teaches us there's a great practical lesson. What if he had been slow to intercede for them? What if he had been, what if he had been kind of in his emotions, like, oh, I'm not ready to pray for them. Pray for them tomorrow. there have been more people die." What happens when God's kids are slow to intercede for and walk in forgiveness and walk in love toward the lost? People die. They need what we have. Right? We have it. Moses and Aaron, they were good. They were okay. They were going to be all right. It was them out there that they, they need help. They need an intercessor. They need someone to make atonement. They need help. They are us. Who made atonement for us? jesus right he took care of it for us he did this for us he stood in the gap for us he stopped death for us jesus did this for me he did it for you took the wrath took the sin the bible says that he lives to make intercession for us that the job of of interceding for us hasn't stopped yet because you ain't stopped sinning yet and you and we i should say we haven't stopped sinning yet because i'm with y'all we're not done blowing it yet we're not done making mistakes yet we're not done falling short of the glory of god yet so he's living to make intercession for us why because he loves us and it's hard to meditate on the fact that he's doing that repeatedly for me and then to hold out on forgiveness and mercy towards someone that offends me someone that gets on my nerves a little bit somebody that attacks me in some way and so Here's a lesson for us, a few lessons in the chapter. Um, one, we see three times, different reasons, but we see three different times where the response of Moses and the other two times of Moses and Aaron is to fall in their face. When the people came at him, before he reacted, before he defended, before he, you know, did anything in response, he fell on his face. The result of that was that he got a word from the Lord. It wasn't his words. They were God's words that went out. And so when people come against us, healthy thing that we go before the Lord, that we, we fall on our faces, humble ourselves and seek him. Two other instances where the people were really messing up. The people were coming against him continually and God was getting ready to just do them in. They fell on their faces. They interceded. They had a heart of compassion and mercy for these people that were sinning against them. If we can gain from the chapter this, that God would give us his heart toward those that offend us and sin against us. That we'd have Christ's heart of mercy and forgiveness. And the third thing, and this is the thing I think is just wrapped the gospel is woven throughout the scriptures. As I look at this here and I'm like, man, the wrath of God is no joke. It's still no joke. Hell is no joke. Study hell sometimes. Study what hell is. I mean, I, I, that's how I got saved. I've, I've studied hell extensively. It's horrific when you really meditate on it. It's a place of outer darkness. So the, for the people that think when they get to hell, they'll see. You won't see anything outer darkness anybody ever just been in just blackness you'll be in darkness like solitary confinement where people go crazy you're gonna be in that with your thoughts when you go to hell you won't be without your mental faculties when you're there you'll remember everything you'll be able to think and remember and recall rejecting God and walking past the gospel and doing your own thing all that'll be there the guy that went to hell in in Luke's gospel with Lazarus and the rich man when he died he got to hell and was in torment and said can you, can, he wanted to become an evangelist? Can I got five brothers? Can you send someone to go tell them? And you know what he told them? No. They got Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Let them hear them. Too late to be an evangelist, even hell. Right? Outer darkness, weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, people in excruciating pain and fire and brimstone forever and ever and ever. Day. All those things, God says, spare everybody that that will receive me as Lord. Right? What a deal. What a deal. I deserve hell, but I get heaven because Jesus died for my sins. Even though after I initially believe and receive Christ, I'm still a failure. I'm still not perfect. I still blow it. I still fall short. I still I still am not all that I hope to be. And God says, now you're mine. I'm going to keep you. I'll continue to make intercession. for. I'm going to get you there. Philippians 1 6 he who began a good work in you was faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ now there's a confident hope that the believer has that God who began a work in me he's going to get it done he's going to bring it to completion I'm gonna make it then when we get to heaven right because as horrific and horrible as hell is heaven is wonderful no more sin nature There'll be no sin, no sorrow, no pain, no suffering. I'll be in the presence of Almighty God. One of my favorite verses is 1 Corinthians 2, 9, where it says, I have seen, no, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And I, I meditate on that. So I think that has a, a right now application, but I think it has an eternal application. That You won't even be a dream up and imagine the things that God has prepared. God be preparing things. He prepared the fish for Jonah. God has prepared things in this life. God created this world that we live in in six days. What is eternity in heaven going to be like? God's been working on that for over 2,000 years. He says, I go and prepare a place for you. Long time ago. Heaven's going to be a wonderful thing. And those are the two realities, right? We're all spiritual beings. We're alive today and we'll be dead one day, or via death or rapture, we'll meet God, heaven or hell. So as I look at this here and I look at the, the horrific aspect of the judgment, I realize. There's still people meeting that faith every day, dying and going to hell. That's why we're called to proclaim the gospel. Love people enough to share the gospel with them. Let it be in God's hands. But for those of us that have received the gospel, right? I look at this and I realize, man, what a great thing it is that God has rescued us from this faith. Amen. He's rescued sinners, forgiven us, and he, he intends to keep us. As we end this chapter, I hope that all of us will walk away not fighting against God's leadership, not complaining so much. And being very thankful for what God has saved you from. Amen.
0: That's all we have time for today on A Transforming Word. Thanks for tuning in. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Numbers. And we pray that it's been eye-opening for you. In this book, you see how God dealt with sin and disobedience in the Israelite camp. But you also get a sense of how God delights in obedience and a soft heart. The people then were no different than people today. It's all human nature, plagued with the curse of sin. But God didn't leave their side, and he remains by your side today. So if you're ever in doubt about God's goodness, faithfulness, or steadfastness, be reminded that God cares about you, loves you, and is there for you. We hope you continue to learn more from the book of Numbers and we encourage you to read ahead on your own. If you're interested in listening to additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you can find them on our website at CalvaryEnglewood.org. We'd be happy to meet you too. If you live in the Englewood area or happen to be passing through, come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at CalvaryEnglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person. Then you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. Before you go, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience and we pray you continue to look to Jesus. Thanks again for joining us and be sure to catch our next edition of A Transforming Word.